Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. The Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Going great. My favorite team made a huge transaction. Uh, you might be thinking, Cavs didn't trade anybody. Well, the Dallas Cowboys just locked up Dak Prescott, and I'm a happy camper. Imagine not having a franchise quarterback. Couldn't be me. Well, it couldn't be me. I mean, I, I don't have one one way or another because I don't have a team. You don't have a team. You were a, you were a uh, kind of a you know a nominal Bears fan for a minute, if I remember correctly. I, I had a moment, but the uh, the Bears didn't stick for me like the Cavs did. That that was one of my childhood teams that did not go the distance. But you know what? The Cavs did, and I'm grateful for it because now I'm podcasting for the Cavs. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> it's still pretty pretty damn cool, man. Uh, but speaking of those Cleveland Cavaliers. We want to do a little bit of a first half recap of this season. Uh, We went through some mailbag questions, which again, thank you guys so much for sending those in. Another shout out I want to give at the front end of this podcast, Carter, guess what? What? We got five new reviews since our last podcast. Five new reviews, you say? I think that's got to be at least like 10 to 12 since Cabs have picked us up. We're going to find our way into the charts, my friend. Well, at the end of last po- the last episode of the podcast, I asked, I, my goal is to get to 400 reviews. And we jumped up from 365 to 370. So you guys, if you haven't yet given us a review on iTunes, go ahead and do that. Give us five stars. Let's get there before this restart starts. Um, but- we know a lot more than 300 people listen to this podcast every week, or at the very least, download it and cook our books. So come on. <laughs> well i i mean there's got to be a, a couple dozen more than 300 i i i just assume so um but speaking of grades after you're done giving us a grade you, you're going to want to listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to be dishing out some grades for the Cavs young core the core four um so i i think that's actually a great place to start because that's kind of gives us a, a route to to discuss what's happened to this point in the season and let's start off with the guy that started it all off for the Cavs as well, Colin Sexton. Carter, I'm very interested to hear how you grade out Sexton's first half of the season. Well, I think it'd be very important for us to set some ground rules first, Justin. Ugh, I don't so like are rules, we grading? Go ahead. Are we grading relative to expectations? Are we grading relative to the larger NBA? What are we grading? You, you, you set you set your own rules. You you set your own rules. You lay out grades however you want to. Um, it is completely subjective. We can have totally different grading systems. Uh, I just want how you graded in, in Carter's mind. What was Colin Sexton's first half of the season? Uh, it's an A. You know, I, I don't know if it's an A plus, but it's an A. Uh, he certainly has uh, continued to escalate as a scorer and a playmaker, and in a way that I kind of thought you know, you keep waiting for the ceiling to come and it's just not there right now. You know, he keeps exceeding it. And, uh, you know, he's just been really, really impressive. The, the craft he's added to his game in terms of his change of pace, becoming a wet, a true weapon in transition, not mm-hmm. just by the numbers, but you know, by the volume as well, being someone who really looks to score in transition. 
Um, The way he continues to, you know, I, I guess maybe this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like this kind of archetype of player, the, you know, the, the tunnel vision scorer, so to speak, the, the get buckets guy, you don't think of them as being, you know, super thoughtful about how they attack the game. You mm-hmm. kind of like, I get buckets. I'm good at getting buckets. So I get buckets. Um, and so many times Colin has surprised us with a, a level of awareness, you know, early on it was, you know what, I'm going to change my entire shot profile uh, because I'm not scoring efficiently in the mid range. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this season, he sees that, Oh, I can't be efficient. I cannot be as efficient uh, while I'm only taking one or two threes a game. So even though it is not my natural inclination to fire him up, I'm going to take at least five to seven a game. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of give him a little bit of a bump on the grade is that even the stuff that I don't love, he sees too <laughs> and is working on him. And that's that's just really, really encouraging. Yeah, I, I'm of the same mindset as you here. Um, even though I am me, I'm not going to give out an A plus today. I'm just not going to do it. I, I think A plus. Oh, is the team's special. like nine games under 500. Ah, details, details. They're close to outplaying Carter. You, you got to go relative to expectations, but still, I think for an A plus, you got to do something a little extra, um, more than we've seen from this core. Like I, I, I think that is reserved for the superstar tier, and we don't have anyone that is playing at that level. But I will also give Sexton an A. Um, I, I think all the points you touched on were really good. Um, but it, the thing that really impresses me is that we didn't get the slow start. We saw the first two seasons from him. I, I think you expected some of that. And I certainly did after seeing that preseason game against the Knicks where he just <laughs> didn't look good at all. Uh, Terrible. You, you had people immediately going to the, the six man argument all over again. But the fact that he's now up to four and a half assists, which I, I think far exceeds what any of us really expected to this point in the season. Uh, I think we were hoping that he could get to like four and, and kind of hover around there. But four and a half is really, really impressive. And he did that while still scoring at, at a career best rate still doing it efficiently. Um, one of the more improved defenders in the league, still not good, but relative to where he was at, uh, he's taken a, a really big leap on that end. Doing that all at the same time is a lot more than I would have expected. Like you, you expect a guy to kind of compartmentalize his growth. I'm going to focus on this for the next month. I'm then going to focus on that, right? Which was kind of what led to a lot of arguments in the past where we've been accused of moving the goalposts with Colin Sexton, where I think it's just setting the next steps with him. Um, so I, I'm really impressed with them. I, I think he's fully deserving of an A to this point. And I'd, uh, I'd welcome any arguments with anybody that says otherwise, because uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready to go to battle over this grade, Carter. Are you ready to pay up? <laughs> What are you ready to pay up for him when his contract negotiations come? Cause that's the next big question with him. See, I thought you meant like pay up in terms of being a non-believer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to pay. No, up. no. Like, we've already paid up and out on that. We have, uh, yeah. we have settled our debts on that's the, on, so the on the skepticism front, but that, are that's... you ready to, are you ready to throw the bag at this guy? Uh, I... Because, you know, we talk about second contract questions First time, first, you got to get to the second contract. I'm kind of ready to pay him whatever at this point. Me too. 
Yeah, I, I am. Um, yeah, you, you really threw me off there. I limped in with the the sad and very not confident what. Because uh, why? I, I normally I would just give like the courtesy laugh, like the Canadian laugh, like Haha, yeah, good joke, Carter. I, that might land for someone. No, I was confused there. Yeah, I, well, I'm that's okay. To, uh, and assuming- you know, and here's I do want to quickly say this because it's going to become an increasingly hot topic, and I want to be ahead of it. We're going to be trendsetters here. Okay. Um, I think it's really important to know that being a cap space team long-term probably isn't that valuable for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. So they'll take a couple bites of the apple at that on that front, but they will never be stopped from take from making franchise direction changing acquisitions mm-hmm. because of cap room. Because that's not how it works to be in Cleveland. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. Um, One thing I'll note, and we might get into this a little bit later when we talk about Andre Drummond and what return might be there and the ramifications with that. I do think that it's true. Obviously, Cleveland isn't a glamour market. You're not going to get the top tier stars. But one of the ripple effects of conversations we've had in the past, which is how much talent is in the league right now, there are free agents available to almost any team. You you can be Detroit and go out and get a Jeremy Grant. Like there is just so much talent and a finite number of space and teams oh. and resources that, yeah, you, you might actually have an opportunity to sign someone that matters in Cleveland. I agree with your, um, your main point though, which is, it's not going to stop them from signing a Kawhi Leonard or, or that kind of friend. It's not even that. I'm just saying like, if they would need to maneuver space to add a, a role player i think they'll be able to find ways to add role players you know like like i don't really need them breaking the bank for a jeremy grant you know i don't need them overpaying or uh so like even in that second third tier i just don't know if that's the number the best route to Mm -hmm. team building i still think as we've said over and over and over again it's internal growth and it is building a good good culture and and taking the right swings via trade or free agency so, like, ultimately, I'm just not that worried about it. And to that yeah. end, I am happy to have Colin Sexton on a big deal. Yeah, and, and the thing with Sexton, too, is it's very unlikely or almost impossible for him to get the individual accomplishments necessary to go out and get, like, a super max deal. And, yeah. and that would be that would be the next contract. And this guy, $25 million a year. Who gives a shit? Right. That That is not something that, that's really going to freak me out to pay him that. And it also just sets the right precedent. This is a guy that wants to be in Cleveland, that has worked insanely hard, that's improved. He, he's done everything that you would want. And I, I think you need to set the precedent of rewarding him. So I, I'm very confident in ex- signing him to an extension that wouldn't even kick into effect next season anyways. Um, assuming he continues this play or improves as he does after the all-star break every year. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to hesitate at uh, paying him. So moving on, Darius Garland, uh, we'll go next uh, with him. I'm giving him a B. I'm giving him a B because... I'm surprised. I, I thought you might be giving straight A's here. I'm, I'm going with a B for Garland. And it's not that what he's done to this point isn't impressive. Um, his averages right now is kind of what I hope for from the season. So you would kind of expect, okay, well, that, that would merit an A. I, I just think that there is still, because he's showing so much in the flashes now, 
it's changed what my expectations for him are. He has moved my expectations higher for this season. And because I want to see those more consistently, I'm going with a B. I, I think his playmaking has been really good. Uh, did you see the basketball index stat today, Carter? Uh, no. Of Garland? So they have a metric that tracks the quality of assists in the NBA. Uh, they it, it tracks how close you get those guys uh, to the rim for field goal opportunities. Do you pass guys open? Do you uh, generate free throw attempts? They had Garland rated as the best passer in the league, that he creates the best quality assists in the league. He doesn't have the same volume as someone like LeBron or other guys on the list. But he was up at the top. I think Trey Young was second. Um, so he has shown a lot as a passer. Uh, I think he, the amount of steals he's getting is really encouraging. He has active hands. Still dies on screens a little bit more uh, than I'd like to see. But overall, I, I'm happy with Garland. But because my expectations are so high, I'm I'm giving him a B because I, I think that he has the potential to be an A down the stretch. Uh, yeah, I think a B... Uh, is probably fair for him because it's just right around, uh, I would say he's trending up, but is not quite meeting the expectations that I think we put upon him right when when he joined the team uh, when he was drafted. The playmaking is just way better than I think we thought it was going to be, even though, you know, 6.4 assists is not a gaudy number by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, you see the connectivity, you see the manipulation. Honestly, uh, if not for the playmaking, I think he actually might've been in the C plus range. You know, the playmaking has really bumped him because while the scoring is okay in volume, you still, he, he's got to get more efficient still. That's the number one problem for him. He's shooting 44% from the field, 38% from three. uh, It reminds me of Sexton. Like, sorry to cut you off, but it reminds me of Sexton last, but for different reasons, Yeah, but for very different reasons. Colin was, Colin was inefficient because he didn't have enough craft. Uh, Darius is inefficient because uh, he doesn't have quite the physical profile to meet his craft right now. And the jumper's not, not there enough and not at enough volume, you know? I mean, ultimately a guy shooting, 44 38 on you know uh you know that's supposed to be a three-point gunner uh, that has a free throw percentage of 86 percent should not have a true shooting percentage of 52 you know and it's not going to get higher until the the jumper gets there you know uh the defense is still he's small he's small he's always going to be small and that's always going to be tough for him i think his fundamentals are not bad um, I think he rotates well. I think I think we've seen that he tracks shooters really well. It's just the more physical guards that just kind of bowl him over. Yeah. Um, but really, yeah, it's it's as simple as the free throw rate is too low and he doesn't shoot or make enough threes. Uh, so until the the scoring and and to your point that you've made a lot is you almost view that as encouraging because it's like we know he's a good shooter and we think he is a better than a thirty eight percent three point shooter. Yeah. So. If that clicks in, then all of a sudden he starts looking really, really dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just waiting on it right now. Yeah, especially as of late where it's basically like 38-31 shooting splits uh, since he's been upping that volume, right? So um, I, I do think that there's another gear, and, and that was a, a big part of the reasoning. Uh, what, what I meant by it reminds me of Sexton is that the splits look good. 
like when someone's shooting 45 40 from the field uh i think those are his starter splits but when when you see that you're like oh this is a really efficient player but the volume from three isn't there he's not getting to the line enough so it's just the the shot selection that needs to improve if he's going to get that efficiency up um but i i really do think that this is just kind of a reflection of um how high i am on him where where are you at with the coro Oh, Coro. Oh man. I think like a, I would say a, a C plus. Okay. Um, you know, and I think I'm, I think some people will say I'm going too high and some people will say I'm going too low. And I think that's why it's a good grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his defense has matched my expectations, uh, maybe even exceeded a little bit in terms of, uh, his, his stickiness and his effort level is just really, really good. Uh, and his activity level, I think the defense is better for him being out there. I don't know if the numbers match that, but I don't really care. Um, cause of all the numbers that all the, you know, context that goes into those kind of things. Like, you know, I, I have seen a few, like he makes the defense worse metrics. And it's like, well, he guards Damian Lillard and <laughs> James Harden. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> not super worried about those. Uh, my eyes tell me he's a very feisty defender. Uh, he doesn't quite have the man strength just yet. Like strong guards and strong wings can still push him. I think that'll come just as he gets older. Uh, the offense is just a lot worse than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and the Cavs have to make a lot of concessions offensively because he's out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it trend in the right way. He's taking more threes. I'm liking that. The finishing seems like it's rebounding after a pretty brutal like yeah i mean during the the 10 game losing streak i mean he was as much of a non-factor to the point of almost being actively harmful out there on offense but i'm starting to see the shot diet kind of get back and he's starting to attack and that helps that the team's getting healthier but i mean the handle is pretty poor the below the rim finishing gives him a lower a high a lower margin for error mm-hmm than above the rim finishers and yeah yeah i mean it's just not quite there i mean uh it's it's pretty tough right now on that end of the ball and it makes it hard for me to give him better than a c yeah plus i i think that's fair um i was expecting you to be higher on garland and maybe the uh, around where you're at with Okoro, but because you copied my garland grade i'm actually going to go just a little bit lower and give him a c um, the, the, the defense has been very good. Um, I, I think his positioning has been great. Uh, his understanding of what he needs to do for a rookie is fantastic. That being said, like the impact isn't there yet. And that's not something that comes, uh, with rookies like almost ever. Uh, so it, it's not something that's going to raise a red flag for me. Um, but I, I, I do think that he is as raw as advertised on the offensive end. I do like his confidence uh, from three, especially as of late. Um, I, I think that as Dean Wade... I don't know if he's confident, but I do know he's taking them, and that's step one. I, I, I mean, that's... he Taking it without hesitation, to me, conveys confidence. And well, that, I think that it might conveys be coaching, too. You know? They, these guys are like, hey, we need you to shoot. And I think he's taking that coaching really, really well. Right. Okay. I, I, I think that's a, f- a fair point. But with him, I, I think if you're grading over the season as a whole, yeah, what he gives up 
on the offensive end outweighs a, a lot of the, the benefits that you get on defense. But at the same time, if this team was fully healthy and you had Kevin Love in there, you, you had uh, all of your starters, you had Larry, you wouldn't need him as much on the offensive end. And I, I think him being in this large of a role in a time where they just didn't have a lot of perimeter creation or a lot of creation in general, it's really exposed a lot of those warts. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was getting ready to make that point is, you know, maybe we're less worried about the offense if Kevin Love has been here the whole time and mm-hmm. he gets a lot more room to operate in. Um, but, you know, we can only grade kind of what we got and what he's got is and, and, you know, maybe you give him a little bit of a curve just because he's been thrown into the fire so aggressively yeah, due to health. And, you know, clearly it was a developmental decision by the team. Uh, but you know, I, I do think like if we're being, if we're keeping it a buck, there's a reason he wasn't, you know, invited to rising stars though, obviously pretty flawed uh, criteria there uh, that we've seen, but like, you know, he's not, he's not leading any, you know, top rookies list right now. And it's because the offense is so behind right. and uh, you know, we're seeing good stuff, but you know, I, I think we're, we're not going to give out A's that easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, I haven't seen anything this season that makes me lower on him than when we drafted him. The I defense, would agree. The, the defense is higher, uh, better than I expected uh, this early on, but this kind of speaks to what was always said going into this year, which was, Hey, this is a really raw crop of rookies. It's really less than ideal situations. And like, I, I don't think enough has been made of kind of the physical toll this season is having on guys like you you look at Colin Sexton who who had never missed a game prior to this year and what happens is normally you get a nagging injury Sexton's going to play through that it's no big deal but all of a sudden you're playing four games in five nights and that nagging injury becomes something you need to sit for you don't have the the recovery time that you would normally get and I think that becomes even more apparent with someone like Okora who who has never played this volume of games so um, I, I do think that a C grade or C plus that you gave him is fair. It's just kind of relative to where he's at right now. Like it, it's not an indictment on his long-term future in any way, shape or form. It's just, that's, that's where it's been. Um, the, the final member of the court for I'm giving Jared Allen an A. Like, I don't know. I, I already said that I'm not giving out A pluses, but I don't know how much more you could expect from Jared Allen at this point. Obviously we haven't seen him for the full season, but he was really intriguing coming off the bench. And ever since he's gone into starting lineup, like he is showing pass, uh, passing um, good instincts uh, in the passing game. Uh, that wasn't your pass. best sentence work. Yeah, that was great. I, I got stuck on pass for some reason, uh, showing a l- little bit in the pick and pop uh, post moves, footwork, like, so many things that go beyond what I already expected with him and was excited about. I'm giving him an A. Justin Carter. I want to give him an A plus so bad, but I'm not going to. You can, you can. He's an A. He's an A. He's an A. And here's why the defense, I want to see that defensive floor uh, raise, you know, I want him to grow in that end of the floor. And some of that growth only comes with experience. Mm-hmm. And so going from, you know, using his physical skills, which are prodigious. Yep. Uh, but expanding those by being the communicator and the core that keeps that, that elevates every defense he plays on. Mm-hmm. There are, there are 
spots where you can still exploit this Cavs team on that end of the floor. And the personnel is not elite. I understand that. But boy, do I want to see him become the East version of Gobert, where just by being on the floor, you have a top 15 defense. Um, And I don't know if he can get there, but that's the one thing just lingering in my brain. Like, he's so young. And if he can figure out that to, to be that defensive leader, then everything changes. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to unleash a little bit of a take here. I think even without another high draft pick, the Cavs could become the East version of the jazz. Like I, I think that they can get that good with the core pieces that are currently here. Um, I, I truly believe in Jared Allen's upside on the defensive end. It might not be all the way to Rudy Gobert because few guys are, but I, I think it can get close enough. And I, I mean, you look at Sexton, what he's done to this point, it is better than Mitchell at that age. I think Darius Garland has another gear that he hasn't really shown yet. I think, and, and, and this is part of why, as we discuss what we want to see from the Cavs the rest of the season, why I'm not feeling a sense of urgency or dread that, oh man, they have to get another high pick. Like I would like one. I would really like one, but I'm pretty content with letting the chips fall where they may like, let's Andre Drummond is not going to be here for the second half of the season. We don't know if Kevin Love is going to be in the mix. It is going to be really reliant on the young guys to go out there and win some games. And like, let's just figure out exactly how much they can do. I, I think that's going to be the team's approach anyway. So these discussions, because uh, I've heard them on a few podcasts, it's a little pointless because it's not like this debate is going to determine the way that the Cavs are going to roll. But when you talk about, is there a sense of urgency or uh, do you feel that the Cavs have to get a pick uh, in the top three or whatever? I don't necessarily feel that way. I, I think it's the easier path. To, to getting elite talent, but I, I don't think that that's what's needed to become a top team in the conference. Yeah. I mean, it's just your margin. It's what we've said from the beginning is that this can be the core, but it just means that the core has to keep growing mm-hmm. and um, they can't let it just kind of, they can't stagnate because, you know, this is their last chance at talent. So, you know, that's why we've always been, I think the official public, record of this podcast has always been win as much as you can, even if it hurts your draft stock. Cause if you're winning because of the kids, then things are going all right. Things are trending up. And we, we, uh, we could be a likable version of the jazz man. Like that's, that's the main thing with Utah. Like they just shoot themselves in the foot and they do nothing to, to get goodwill. You look at Gobert when, when he misses the all-star game and uh, he, he was crying about that. Uh, whereas Colin Sexton, he doesn't make it. And he says, well, you know what? Our job's not done yet. Our, our team record isn't good enough. All-star game is in Cleveland next year. I'm, I'm going to make that my goal. I'm going to get there. Everything happens for a reason. This is, this is the likable jazz. And that is, that is my hill that I am now setting up camp on. I I'm ready to die on it. Um, but you know what? R- right now I'm just welcoming anyone else that wants to come on this hill with me. Well, buddy, I feel like you've been laying the groundwork for weeks. It's good that you're finally laying down yeah. a foundation. Yeah, You've been framing it, you know, kind of, you know, grading out the ground to make sure it's nice and level. And now it's time to start pouring some concrete. Exactly. Exactly. And finding other people to do the hard work for me. That's, uh, <laughs> that's usually how that goes. <laughs> Naturally. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, so yeah, feeling really good about this young core for the most part. And even, you know, our low grade, which is Okoro at a C, um, mm -hmm. you know, I still pretty, pretty happy with them, you know, yeah, still, yeah. And, still and haven't felt like uh, the long term future. Yeah, and this is, we've said this a lot, but like all our problems with this young core are mostly good problems to have. Colin, mm -hmm. shoot more threes. Darius, make more threes. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett, uh, get older. <laughs> Pen is he polished? It is absurd. Just it get is... a little older and yeah. you'll be better. Yeah, and your body, like your body's going to mature. You're you're going to get better in the margins on everything. Like he, he seems to be another one of those guys that's just a sponge, and <laughs> he is just such a feel good blanket for this Cavs. Like anytime yeah. you start to have concerns, you can just wrap yourself in a nice warm Jared Allen, uh, <laughs> and, and that's going to uh, that's going to keep you warm on those winter nights. You ain't wrong. Um, you know, uh, it, and then and then Isaac, uh, it's take the long road to development and becoming kind of a, um, you know, uh, and taking the, oh, yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, sorry. I, I, I uh, think part of why I don't get worried with Okoro is it's not like we had friends. He's got to, he's got to develop skills. That's, that's the reality. He's just got to work on a skill game because physically he's got everything you need mm -hmm. and he's just got to work on the handle, work on the jumper and that's it. Sorry. I got a, I got a, I got a text from a family member that, caught my attention and distracted me no, no problem at all family always comes first buddy you, you know the way it is but uh, with a coral like the fact that we didn't have like all-star hopes for him and, and there wasn't like that type of expectation you just kind of progress a little slower with what you're kind of hoping to see from him right like we are hoping for our, a high-end starter maybe an all-defensive type wing and yeah, he, he seems to be on the track, at least on the defensive end of the floor. So it's not a huge concern. But as we're talking about laying out foundations, there's one member that's not going to be part of it, Carter, and that's Andre Drummond. And oh, no, 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 he he is not. As the trade deadline approaches, how are you feeling about the, the possibility of a trade versus a buyout? Because it does seem like there's momentum trending in the buyout direction. Oh, I don't know, Justin. I think we should actually table the the discussion I wanted to have for a later episode, just because okay. we're kind of far in. But I think we can discuss kind of the expected returns right now. And mm -hmm. oh, it's hard to know, man. Um, you know, I, I guess here's my here's my question to you. And I'm gonna start slipping into NPR modus. We're we're hitting Millie's bedtime, mm -hmm. so if anyone's so wondering why, everyone uh, pour yourself a nice hot glass of cocoa. Uh, <laughs> Millie is going to bed, so we got NPR Carter here. Yes, yeah, so we got NPR Carter. Here's my question to you, man. Like, what's the worst deal to to not get this done? Because we know that multiple teams have registered interest in Andre Drummond. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if the Cavs don't get a deal done and instead choose a buyout, I mean, how bad must these offers be? Which leads me to go back to they're going to find a deal. You know, mm -hmm. like what what's the worst return you would take uh, for Andre versus just a buyout? Yeah, that's a good question. It's because we actually I, I want to give some credit uh, to our buddy uh, Demetrius in the Discord. Because he made an observation uh, right actually before we uh, made the announcement. So that was in our break uh, from podcasting there for a moment. But he made the point that the Cavs have kind of moved past the point where you just acquire assets and you figure out the rest later. 
Um, and that was due to kind of how we saw things play out with Andre Drummond, where, yeah, he, he had a positive impact on the win-loss column, but as the situation kind of changed and, and the investment level shifted, um, th- there was a negative impact, or at least if not a negative impact, it would change the way the young guys were playing. So I think you have to start being a little more careful with who you bring in. And then that raises a question, if you're moving Andre Drummond and let's say there's a player whose salary goes beyond this year, they're, they're not an expiring contract. How do they fit in with the team? I, I think that's something that you have to start considering now for those guys. And it's does a long-term salary merit a second round pick in the Cavs eyes. And I, on the one hand, I kind of feel like this is turning a little bit into the J.R. Smith situation where expectations were so high. And that aspect is disappointing to me because I really felt like with this free agency class being, at least it was thought that it was going to be great. I thought that there would be value for Andre Drummond as an expiring, but who's available this summer changed dramatically uh, the market has kind of shifted and I, it's disappointing that they're not, it doesn't seem like they're going to be getting real value for Andre Drummond, but I am warming up to the idea uh, of a buyout if it preserves some cap space, because as much as we're comfortable with extensions for Sexton and Allen, that kind of accelerates the timeline of when you can actually go out there and spend but- some free agency money. Correct me if I'm wrong, this wouldn't save them any cap space, right? Because it's like, it just saves some money. Cause well, it, it saves them cap space if the alternative is taking back someone that, oh, let's say, has 230 on their I deal. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And yeah, I think I think pretty much, unless you're getting a piece that you're really excited about, which I don't think, I think the, the ship sure seems to have sailed on that point. Mm-hmm. On getting like a young stud, you know, even like a Malik Monk has probably played himself out of the conversation for Charlotte as of late. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're, you're certainly not, you know, taking on money now, now you're right. looking for an expiring put, you know, what I'm looking for is something in the neighborhood. You know, I was talking, I put, think I put it on Twitter, you know, an auto Porter, uh, Thomas Sadoransky combo where Otto is just an expiring and yeah, you take on Sadoransky a little long-term money, but he's a backup point guard that, you know, could fit for the, foreseeable future for this team like someone like that yeah uh you know that someone like that makes sense but like other than that you're really looking for expirings that make sense in your rotation through the end of the year and some draft capital yeah no i i I think that that's that's the right way to look at it um obviously the chicago thing is interesting because shams uh did report that they they have some interest there and i don't think chicago even though there's new management there i don't expect them to ever buy someone out um so um maybe that they they think they can get more mileage out of drummond for the rest of this season and they swap expiring deals there and and that's it And, and maybe you get a second round pick out of that i i do think that your point and it's been mentioned before where there is maybe just Brooklyn and the Lakers that would be in the mix for Drummond. If he's bought out, I I think that that has some appeal to other teams where they understand that, Hey, we can give up very little, get Andre Drummond for the rest of the year. And he doesn't go to the Lakers. He doesn't go to the Nets. And, and maybe some of these teams like that's appealing just to prevent those teams from getting Andre Drummond. Like that, that might be a factor here if you're someone like Dallas and you don't want to play up against them. So 
Um, it, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure where this is going to go. I do like kind of get the sense that teams are going to be active. I think this week might even have some activity, if not for the Cavs, for other teams, just because this is your one chance to get a player in and integrate them a little bit, maybe have a practice before the second half schedule gets going. Um, so who knows, but at, for Drummond, it feels like it's going to be a buzzer thing where it, it goes down to the deadline because you, you're going to listen to all offers and, and weigh your options and, and unless someone blows your, blows your pants off. But I, I just don't see that happening. What percent chance do you think that Kobe Altman makes a trade at the deadline? By the deadline or at the deadline? By the deadline. For uh, anyone. 95% chance. I would agree. <laughs> this man likes to wheel and deal. So we're going to get some fun <laughs> I mean, in some capacity. <laughs> that is damn near a guarantee in your experience as a cast fan is that this team is going to be active at least in the last few years. I, I, I find it hard to believe. I mean, even look at someone like JaVale McGee. Like there is going to be a market for JaVale McGee. I, I find it hard to believe that no one's willing to give up a second round pick for him. So I, I wonder, I, here's, here's my thing. And I forget who actually mentioned it. Maybe it was you. <laughs> Sorry if I'm just stealing your own take. I, I mean, if but, it's smart, it, it's me. It was funny. I think someone mentioned that probably anyone who's going to trade for JaVale is also waiting on the, on the Drummond buyout. Because <laughs> <laughs> like they'd probably rather have Drummond. Uh, yeah. which is you know i mean drummond's a pro i mean he's got to be maybe the best player ever bought out if they buy him out Ooh. um yeah like in terms of what he can currently provide i i can't yeah. think like, of this anyone isn't else a washed up you know beat down blake griffin this is i mean this is a dude in his prime who's mm-hmm. leading the league in rebounds yeah like that, I know that showed us a little perfect. something like he he played the first half of this season He's playing the best defense of his career. Like I, yeah, I still like, believe that he can make an impact, and like I'm going to be rooting for him to make an impact. To be honest, oh yeah, like same. I, yeah, same. like I, I, I have long wanted to see him in a contending situation, where with a team that can really truly hold him accountable, mm-hmm. um, and push him to be the best version of himself. Because I do think he is such an impeccable athlete and such a such a tantalizing prospect that I want to see what he looks like in that context. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, for sure I'm going to be rooting for him wherever he goes. But like, the, like man, he's just too good to get bought out. Like, what a weird world we are in here. <laughs> I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, it's I, like I, I just have such a hard time believing it. But you you never know. The NBA is I mean, weird. The, it's a I weird mean, season. Not good press for him. Um, you know the Cavs are not in a position of strength here. Mm-hmm. And I really do think it's going to be a matter of like, do they get a deal they like, or would they rather just save a couple million bucks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And kind of go, go into the off season with cleaner sheets. So, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a wild thing to observe. I'm really interested in, I was, I've been very surprised that the fact that uh, Torian Prince seems to be getting calls. Oh my well. goodness. I mean, you know, he was the tax in a lot of ways for the Jared Allen deal. So, uh, you know, because of his kind of big salary, but I, I, you know, I guess it's just proof, you know, big wings, man. Yeah. Well, big wings. And like, he wasn't playing as well in Brooklyn as he did in Cleveland. Like I, I, I can't, I find it a little hard to imagine he rehabbed his value that much in such a short period of time, but I, I think you're right. Maybe it just comes down to big wings that, Hey, this is a guy that can shoot. He can play defense. He can play both forward positions. Um, you, you're right though, that, I mean, 
I mean, he'd be in the rotation on almost any contender, I guess, if you think about it that way. It's not that that wild. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, I think you're correct in describing him as the tax to some extent, but you look at a team like Boston that has all these first-round picks and a massive trade exception, you like if, if they end up like trading for Torian Prince as an example, how funny would that be when they easily could have just got in there in the James Harden trade and gave up a couple first round picks for Prince and Allen. Like it's, it, it Oof, still blows my crazy, mind. Actually, it, it blows my mind that <laughs> you should tweet that that's going to go way viral. If you tweet that. <laughs> well, only if it happens, only if it happens. So, like, I don't even know if they have interest. So I'm just saying as an example, it's still like, it blows my mind that the Cavs were able to get you in know, there, it, get Jared it, Allen and no one outbid them. It is actually a really fun game to play, which is the, who could have gotten what contenders could have gotten Jared Allen for, for, for nothing. And I do wonder, <laughs> I do wonder, you know, just to play the devil's advocate, like what, you know, if they were a little more eager to part with him to a team like the Cavs who, you know, they, you knew weren't a title contender, but like, you know, if the Raptors had gotten him, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I got Raptors fans that still are upset and bring it up. And they're like, I just don't understand how Messiah Jerry didn't get in on this. He's Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. Like there's just so many, so many people who could have made this happen. Even uh, like I, so I kind of get it with Houston in that you know, they already were investing Christian Wood and Christian Wood might've been an all-star this year if he didn't get hurt. Like, he was, and and some of that is the state of the front court in the West and whatnot. But um, I, I do think that he would have been in that mix. So maybe that's irrational. But even then, like it just from an asset management standpoint, it, it blows my mind. But you know what? Like that's part of what gives me kind of the the sense of, well, let's roll the dice with Andre Drummond. If we don't get anything, we don't get anything. It's not as important to get an asset back from him because yeah, you, you didn't give a second up round pick on a gamble. Yeah, you, you didn't give up a whole lot for him, and you don't need to hit it big because you already have an answer at that position. So, for I mean, you look at this first half recap, ah, like we have our shooting guard of the future, Colin Sexton. He has stepped up. He is playing like Jamal Murray or better than Jamal Murray ever has in the regular season and um, playing like Donovan Mitchell out there. You have Darius Garland, who's already kind of hit my season projections for him and has another gear that we've seen flashes up exciting. And you got a franchise center in Jared Allen. This is a lot better than I expected going into this year. So I'm excited for the second half. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they can keep things going uh, with their kind of recent winning before the the break. Uh, What's going to happen on the trade market. There's going to be so much to talk about this month, man. It's truly, truly wild. And I, I want to thank all of our listeners again uh, for all your support uh, mentioned on the front end, but you guys sending in more reviews. It, it really means the world to us. It makes such a big difference in the discoverability of this podcast. So if you haven't done so yet, go ahead, leave us rating, leave us a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can do so by leaving a review or uh, sending that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. So for myself and for NPR Carter, I'm Justin. And until next time, go Cavs. Go Cavs. All right.